नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय Hare Krishna. Today we are reading from Canto 6, Chapter 1. Chapter 1 is entitled The History of the Life of Ajamila. Um, today we are going to read text 13 and 14. They are together, but we will read text 13 as the vocator. Tapasa Brahmacharyena Tapasa Brahmacharyena Shamena Chadamena Chadamena Shamena Chadamena Chadamena Tyagena Satya Shauchabhyam Tyagena Satya Shauchabhyam Yamena Niyamena Vah Yamena Niyamena Vah Tapasa Brahmacharyena Shamena Chadamena Chad Yagena Satya Shauchabhyam Yamena Niyamena Vah Tapasa Brahmacharyena Shamena Chadamena Chad Yagena Satya Shauchabhyam Yamena Niyamena Vah I'll just say the 14th verse and then we'll do the word to word translation. Deha Deha Vag Buddha Jamdira Dharmagnya Shraddayan Vitaha Shripanti Agham Mahad Api Venu Gulmam Ivanalaha Word to word translation. Tapasa By austerity or voluntary rejection of material enjoyment. By austerity or voluntary rejection of material enjoyment. Brahmacharyena By celibacy the first austerity. Shamena by controlling the mind. Cha and Gamena by fully controlling the senses. Cha also. Yagena by voluntarily giving charity to good causes. Satya by truthfulness. Shauchabhyam and by following regulative principles to keep oneself internally and externally clean. Yamena by avoiding cursing and violence. Niyamena by regularly chanting the holy name of the Lord. Va and Dekhavak buddhijam performed by the body, words and intelligence. Dheera, those who are sober. Dharmagnya, fully imbued with knowledge of religious principles. Shraddhaya Anvita, endowed with faith. Shipanti, destroy. Agham, all kinds of sinful activities. Mahatapi, although very great and abominable. Venugulman, the dried creepers beneath a bamboo tree. Eva, like. Analaha, fire. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. Jai Prabhupada. Translation. To concentrate the mind, one must observe a life of celibacy and not fall down. One must undergo the austerity of voluntarily giving up sense enjoyment. One must then control the mind and senses, give charity, 
be truthful clean and non violent follow the regulative principles and regularly chant the holy name of the lord thus a sober and faithful person who knows the religious principles is temporarily purified of all sins performed with his body words and mind these sins are like the dried leaves of creepers beneath a bamboo tree which may be burned by fire although their roots remain to grow again at the first opportunity purport tapa is explained in the smriti shastra as follows manasas um chendriyanan cha aki ऐकाघ्रियम परमम तपह कंप्लीट कंट्रोल ऑफ द माइंड एंड सेंसेस एंड देयर कंप्लीट कंसंट्रेशन ऑन वन काइंड ऑफ एक्टिविटी इज कॉल्ड तप अवर कृष्णा कॉन्शियसनेस मूवमेंट इज टीचिंग पीपल हाउ टू कंसंट्रेट द माइंड ऑन डिवोशनल सर्विस दिस इज फर्स्ट क्लास तप ब्रह्मचार्य द लाइफ ऑफ सेलिबसी हैज एट एस्पेक्ट्स वन शुड नॉट थिंक ऑफ वुमेन स्पीक अबाउट सेक्स लाइफ डैली विथ वुमेन लुक लस्फुली एट वुमेन talk intimately with women or decide to engage in sexual intercourse nor should one endeavor for sex life or engage in sex life one should not even think of women or look at them to say nothing of talking with them this is called first class brahmacharya if a brahmachari or sanyasi talks with a woman in a secluded place naturally there will be a possibility of sex life without anyone's knowledge therefore a complete brahmachari practices just the opposite If one is a perfect brahmachari he can very easily control the mind and senses give charity speak truthfully and so forth to begin however one must control the tongue and the process of eating in the bhakti marg the path of devotional service one must strictly follow the regulative principles by first controlling the tongue sevon mukhe hi jivhado swayam eva surati adah The tongue jivha can be controlled if one chants the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, does not speak of any subjects other than those concerning Krishna, and does not taste anything not offered to Krishna. If one can control the tongue in this way, brahmacharya and other purifying processes will automatically follow. It will be explained in the next verse that the path of devotional service is completely perfect and is therefore superior to the path of fruitive activities and the path of knowledge. quoting from the vedas shrila veera raghava acharya explains that austerity involves observing fasts on as fully as possible tapasash tapasana shakena shrila rupa goswami has also advised that atyahar too much eating in an impediment is an impediment to advancement in spiritual life also in bhagavad gita 6.17 krishna says yuktahara viharasya ya yukta chetasya karmashu yuktas स्वप्नाबोध्य योग टेम्परेट इन हिज हैबिट्स ऑफ ईटिंग स्लीपिंग वर्किंग एंड रिक्रिएशन कैन मिटिगेट ऑल मटीरियल प्लेन्स बाय प्रैक्टिसिंग द योगा सिस्टम इन टेक्स्ट फोर्टीन द वर्ड धीरा मीनिंग धोज हु आर अनडिस्टर्ब अंडर ऑल सर्कमस्टांसिस इज वेरी सिग्निफिकेंट कृष्णा टेल्स अर्जुना इन भगवदगीता टू पॉइंट फोर्टीन मात्रस्पर्शस्तु कौंतेय शीतोष्ण सुख दुखदा आगम पाइनो अनिम स्थितिशास्व भारत ओ सन ऑफ कुंती द नॉन पर्मनेंट अपियरेंस ऑफ हैप्पीनेस इन डिस्ट्रेस एंड देयर डिसअपियरेंस इन ड्यू कोर्स आर लाइक द अपियरेंस इन डिसअपियरेंस ऑफ विंटर एंड समर सीजन्स दे अराइज फ्रॉम सेंस परसेप्शन ओ स्कीन ऑफ भारत एंड वन मस्ट लर्न टू टॉलरेट दैम विदाउट बींग डिस्टर्ब इन मटीरियल लाइफ देर आर मेनी डिस्टर्बेंसेज आध्यात्मिका आधिदैविका एंड आधि भौतिका one who has learned to tolerate these disturbances under all circumstances is called dhira om agyana timirandasya gyananjana shalakaya chakshurun militam yena tasmay shri gurave namaha shri chaitanya manobhishtam sthapitam yena bhutale svayam rupa kadamayam ृपाचालंगयतेरीतारिणंभ्यो वैष्णवेभ्यो नमो नम जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्या प्रभु नित्यानंद
ಶ್ರೀಅದ್ವೈತವ್ರತಾಧರ ಶ್ರೀವಾಸಾದೀ ಗೌರಭಕ್ತವೃಂದ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ರಾಮ ಹರೇ ರಾಮ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಸೊ ವಿವ್ ಎಂಟರ್ಡ್ ಅ ವೆರಿ ಇಂಟ್ರೆಸ್ಟಿಂಗ್ ಸೆಕ್ಷನ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಶ್ರೀಮದ್ ಭಾಗವತಂ um the history of the life of ajamil that is today's chapter and in the next few chapters we will see the whole description of the ajamil pastime which is such a beacon of hope for all devotees all practicing devotees like all of us um it gives us so much faith in the holy names and it gives us hope that yes the holy name is definitely going to protect us like with ajamil he chanted it unknowingly but still it came you know lord vishnu was there to protect him so this this chapter gives us a lot of faith, uh, faith and hope in the holy name and in the process of devotional service which we are all trying to practice in this lifetime and it is good also that we are reading this hope giving chapter because we have just come out of the previous canto now in the previous canto we all know in the fifth canto the whole vedic cosmology was explained so that canto really tests someone's faith if someone is you know a little bit um not fixed up in krishna consciousness it can actually test someone's faith even during prabhupad's times some devotees actually left the movement and went away because they couldn't take the descriptions which were there in the fifth canto they couldn't uh, take that there are rivers of mango juice or there are oceans of milk and yogurt and sugarcane juice and all that somewhere or there are you know uh, flying eagles who can catch elephants as they are prey so it was very difficult for them to digest all this so it is a test of someone's faith in the process of krishna consciousness the whole fifth canto um and in that canto we see descriptions of the structure of the universe how the entire universe is structured we saw how the shishumara planetary systems are there in this universe how every planet is rotating around dhru loka which is like the anchor and everybody in respect to dhru maharaj is rotating around um, his planet so we saw that whole structure of the universe we saw how the sun planet what is the course of the sun planet what is the uh, what does the sun planet offer to this material world so we saw all these descriptions and as part of that we saw towards the end of the canto descriptions even of the hellish planets so we see that in the stem of garbhodakshai vishnu who is lying at the bottom of the universe the shell the egg shaped universe he is lying at the bottom in his own perspiration which is garbhodaka ocean and from his stem lord brahma has uh, emerged we know about that and inside this stem the three planetary systems are there all the planets are inside his stem and because we are inside a stem it's dark and therefore the lord has provided the sun to illuminate this whole dark uh, material universe so the upper stem of the garbhodakshai vishnu is the heavenly planets and all the abode of the sages and obviously leading up to brahma loka the middle is all the uh, earthly planetary systems where we saw descriptions of jambudweep how there are different varshas the lokas of different varshas are offering prayers to the different um, presiding deities of those varshas so we saw that and towards the end we saw that at the bottom of this stem very close to the navel of garbhodakshai vishnu are the hellish planetary systems they are below even the subterranean heavenly planets and the sunlight doesn't reach there so it is illuminated by the gems that are there on the nagas who live there the serpents who live there that is how that whole uh, hellish planet is um, illuminated so um, with reference to garuda purana the last chapter especially the last chapter of the fifth canto gives us very gorish descriptions of the uh, punishment that awaits jivas who have committed different different types of sins and we saw descriptions of how if a jiva has committed a particular type of sin for example very lusty then he goes to a certain hellish planet where he has to embrace an iron hot uh, uh, um, idol of a woman so and if he has committed some sinful activity of eating meat then he goes to a certain planetary system and his eyes and his intestines are plucked out and in a certain planetary system he is whipped very mercilessly by the yamadoota somewhere he has to stay in a pus uh, pool an ocean of pus and blood and uh, stool so very horish descriptions are there in the fifth canto now one and uh, you know all this gruesome punishment obviously it's it was difficult for us also to read so we can imagine what parikshit maharaj is going through when he is hearing all these descriptions from sukhadev goswami so one of the qualities the, there are 26 qualities of a vaishnava and one of the qualities of a vaishnava is that he is para dukha dukhi 
He is very very compassionate towards all living entities. And Parikshit Maharaj is one of the high, you know, one of the elevated devotees of Lord Krishna. So obviously his heart was erupting in compassion. It was full of um, distress when he heard these descriptions. And being a pure Vaishnava, he did not want Jeevas to undergo these sufferings, which Sukhdev Goswami had described. So therefore in this chapter, because the descriptions ended with 5th canto, now the new chapter has opened. And in this chapter in verse 6, Parikshit Maharaj asked Sukhadeva Goswami, he tells, please tell me how human beings may be saved from having to enter hellish conditions in which they suffer these terrible pains. Please give some nivaran. You know, we say there is, okay, somebody has done something, but what is the nivaran? How do they avoid going to these hellish planets? So Sukhadeva Goswami responds, that prior to death, one should have atoned for their sins. Only then they can avoid the damnation of hell. So when, whatever sins one might have performed throughout their life, if at the end of their life they do atone, towards the end of their life they start atoning for their sins, then they can maybe avoid going to these hellish planets. In fact, Sukhadeva Goswami gives an analogy as well. He says that just as an expert physician, diagnoses and treats a disease according to its gravity, one should undergo atonement according to the severity of one's sin. So for example, when we go to a doctor, now if we just have a simple cold and cough, I remember we used to go to one doctor called, uh, we used to go to one doctor in Malvan called Dr. Kanapati Pillai. He was the general physician for many devotee doctors. So I remember very aged doctor and very expert. So if we would go to him with a cold and cough, he would always tell, go and do gargling and drink rasam. That's what he would tell. Because he said it's nothing. In three, four days it will be alright. But then if he sees, he, you know, if we go and he obviously sees our throat and he diagnoses and he said, no, this time you'll have to start antibiotics because it is it has become infected. So based on the gravity of the situation, he would suggest. If somebody has the infection has spread or you know some more complications has have arisen or some other problems are there, obviously the physician will then refer to a hospital or to a specialist. No, you have to go to a specialist or you have to go to a hospital, get a surgery done. So different, different diagnoses are given by physicians according to the disease one is undergoing. And the same analogy is used by um, Sukhadev Goswami. He says that if one is suffering from a, if one has actually committed a particular type of sin, he has to atone to that level, to the level of which uh, he has committed the sin. Now Parikshit Maharaj asks a counter question. When Sukhadeva Goswami offers this particular, um, this particular nivaram, this particular remedy. So Parikshit Maharaj says that I have seen people doing atonement. You are saying one should atone for their sins before death. And I have seen people doing atonement. But yet they have a tendency to return to sin as if by force. Even if sometimes they are alert towards sin, they are aware that yes, this is a sin I should not do. They have atoned also for it according to what they feel is atonement. But yet we see they return to doing that sin. In a similar question we see Arjuna asking Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. That how is it that you know by it's as if by force we are, you know people are forced to commit sin. How does that happen? Uh, Arjuna also asked a similar question to Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. And then when Parikshit Maharaj asked this question, he gives the analogy of the elephant's bathing as well. So Sukhadeva Goswami says, yes, when people do this atonement and they are again inclined to continue doing that sin, it is like the elephant's bathing. So Prabhupada quotes this elephant bathing a lot and also Rupa Goswami refers to it in the nectar of instruction. That when an elephant goes and very nicely he cleans himself in the river. And he comes out nice and clean. You know how when a child sometimes comes out very clean, they look nice. So the elephant looks very nice and clean when he comes out after the river, bath in the river. And as soon as he sees some mud, so elephants like to play with mud. He sees some nice mud on the river bank and he again puts it on himself. All the effort of taking bath gone waste. So that is the example Rupa Goswami and Prabhupada give often. And that is what is referred to by Sukhadeva Goswami when Parikshit Maharaj asked that question. So then Sukhadeva Goswami says, that was one level of atonement or one level of remedy he was offering. He himself is an expert physician obviously who is diagnosing and giving different levels of atonement. The second level he offers is that, he says real atonement is not possible if one takes to fruitive activities to atone for sinful reaction. 
unless one comes out of ignorance to enlightenment in perfect knowledge one will not be able to do real atonement so people are doing atonement now we see in jaiva dharma also bhakti vinod thakur describes what is called as nitya dharma anitya dharma and naimitika dharma so anitya dharma are sinful activities what we are talking about here and what were very elaborately described in the fifth canto in the hellish planets people do sinful activities and they go and suffer in hell for their sins so that is anitya dharma nitya dharma is obviously the eternal relationship sanatan dharma the eternal relationship of the soul with the uh, supreme personality of godhead where he renders devotional service that is the nitya dharma he knows he is the servant of the servant of the lord and in that mood he renders devotional service but there is also so called something called as naimitika dharma now bhakti vinod thakur also says in jaiva dharma and we see sukhadev goswami also talking about this that naimitika dharma looks very similar to nitya dharma wherein the religious principles and the process might look very similar so we are talking about you know cleanliness austerity brahmacharya we saw all these uh, things which were described by uh, shrila prabhupada in the purport um or you know the mean giving charity so all these religious principles might be you know naimitika dharma but if they are done as part of fruitive activities then they are like the elephants bathing and we see in you know many families we see and many people especially in india we see they do that there are so many elaborate yagyas people do rutyunjay hom navagraha homam or for health they will do something for wealth there will be some puja and all that that will be done people go to temples and do archana and all that or they you know like go on foot to certain holy places and also we see they do all these activities but then on the other hand they are also leading the second life which is they might be continuing to eat meat drink smoke and the main goal of their life everybody's main goal in life in kaliyuga is to make money so we see that while they do all these activities also they are continuing all these activities and that is what parikshit maharaj was asking about that i have seen people do atonement so these activities might look like atonement that they are uh, they are worshiping a higher authority they are doing yagyas they are doing and obviously when you do yagyas and all they might refrain from eating meat or they might do some fasting on that day or in certain like navaratri and all that they might do certain types of fasts and all so we see people doing these activities and but still they are impelled to go and commit the same sins again it is not leading to purification of the heart and there sukhadev goswami says it's that is because these activities are still being done in ignorance they have to undergo the journey of from ignorance to vidya to knowledge once they are in knowledge of their nitya dharma of their eternal relationship with the lord they will then be able to understand what is real religious principles and what are real atonement activities that should be done by them and therefore we see sukhadev goswami in today's verse he is talking about coming out of the lower modes because when parikshit maharaj had asked sukhadev goswami that how is it that people are impelled they are compelled almost to commit these sinful activities they keep returning to do them as if by some force and that time sukhadev goswami explains that it is because of the activities of the three modes of material nature the modes of material nature are making one dance to their tunes and because of that they keep committing these activities so now like prabhupada also always tells in his purports that as devotees we must try and situate ourselves as much as possible in the activities of the mode of goodness because the mode of goodness is the springboard to then jump to the mode of transcendental goodness and it is a very conducive platform to do devotional activities so in today's verse he is talking about coming out of the lower modes and establishing oneself in mode of goodness through activities such as the four activities which he describes here which is celibacy brahmacharya he speaks about brahmacharya in, in great detail prabhupada talks in the purport about brahmacharya what brahmachari should do the eight aspects he spoke about in the purport so obviously brahmacharya which is a mode of goodness activity charity giving charity to the right causes because that at least takes you off the platform that all the wealth is mine and it's only meant for my enjoyment there is at least some compassion in that activity that you are giving to somebody else because you feel they need it and not just you need everything then truthfulness obviously satyam speaking the truth and non violence not not doing violence not eating meat not doing violence to other living entities so these activities which sukhadev goswami is talking about in today's verse are very similar to the four regulative principles which prabhupada asks us to follow 
and prabhupada says also that following the four regulative principles are is not nitya dharma it is not that those are the practices of devotional service following the four regulative principles will just bring one to the human platform of life they will help one just stay in the mode of goodness because at least from there then it will be possible to um, render devotional service chant the holy names of the lord and all so once one does these mode of goodness activities and with faith then with faith commences the chanting the uh, chanting of the holy names of the lord so that word with faith is very important because when we are doing chanting or when you know upcoming devotees are doing chanting because that complete faith is lacking in the holy name that is why we see the example is given that you know there are some bamboo shoots under a tree and if they catch fire we will see that those creepers are burning but their roots are still there inside so the tendency they will erupt at the first opportunity so just as we also know in our heart anarthas will keep erupting because we have still not reached that platform of pure chanting of the holy names and the next verse which will come now with sukhdev goswami will speak is a very beautiful verse it's a very famous verse kechit kevalaya bhaktiya that verse will come up that the hope just by chanting the holy names of the lord in pure devotional service will burn up these roots also which are there under the ground and they will never then erupt back so but today he is saying that yes by these activities the roots are still there and they can erupt back at the first opportunity and then prabhupad says that even to follow these religious activities which are conducive to devotional service the activities in the mode of goodness there are he says that our body has several senses prabhupad talks in the purport just we, we we just read that they can keep dragging us down all these senses are um, tongue especially he prabhupad talks about the tongue it is the most voracious sense of all prabhupad says because the tongue always wants to speak something which is not related to krishna and the tongue always wants to enjoy good food food stuffs and therefore prabhupad says that अत श्री कृष्ण नामादि न भवेत ग्रह्यम इंद्रियाई सेवोन मुखे ही जीवादो स्वयं एव स्फूरति अध सो ही सेज दैट ट्रू अटोनमेंट कमेंसेस विद दिस टंग दैट इज व्हाट प्रभुपाद इज एस्टैब्लिशिंग एंड सुखदेव गोस्वामी इज एस्टैब्लिशिंग इवन इन द नेक्स्ट वर्स ही विल एस्टैब्लिश दैट दैट ट्रू अटोनमेंट स्टार्ट्स विद द टंग ओनली विद द टंग वी कैन एक्चुअली टेस्ट फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल द स्टैंड द होली नेम्स ऑफ द लॉर्ड विद फेथ एंड टेस्ट कृष्ण प्रसादम So Prabhupad says one should avoid any other food stuffs which are not Krishna Prasadam because Prabhupad says we are not a vegetarian society you know we are not a vegetarian society which is promoting obviously we promote vegetarianism because at least it is we are you know promoting non violence but he said we are not just vegetarians because Prabhupad always says that even the hippopotamus elephant these are also all vegetarians but he said that we are prasadetarians prabhupad would always call his society as prasadetarians and therefore prabhupad was very very pedantic that whoever comes to our temple should not leave without prasadam whichever center they visit they should not leave without having prasadam because prasadam is the one which will help purify the consciousness and prasadam is the one which will help purify this voracious sense object which is the tongue which will then you know increase the tongue's proclivity to chant the holy name once that tongue has eaten krishna prasadam and he also then established this food for life that within 10 kilometers of her temple no one should go hungry but that was not just simple vegetarian food it was prasadam that should be distributed prabhupad said so tasting prasadam builds that sukriti or builds that faith and then it cleanses the heart and it makes it receptive to hearing krishna katha that is what is the effect of prasadam it makes the heart very ripe it makes us very receptive to hearing and therefore we so see so many devotees uh, uh, like you know even normal people who come during our feasts and all we see so many of them just by eating 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 regularly then we see sometimes when you approach and they are waiting they are some waiting to go through some program and to join some satsang and associate with devotees because they then are becoming like the dried grass which will then you know just need that ignition of krishna consciousness one more small matchstick and they will take it up because in this lifetime previous lifetimes they must have eaten so much krishna prasadam and maybe you know got some agyati sukriti or something so because of eating prasadam their heart becomes very receptive to chanting hearing and because of that then they are able to take up the process of devotional service so that is that is what prabhupada is trying to explain to in this particular verse that many religious activities or the processes that we follow might look as if they are nitya dharma 
the naimitika dharma processes which uh, sukhadev goswami was explaining they look very similar to nitya dharma but if they are done without real knowledge that they are for the pleasure of krishna if they are not being doubted all these activities like charity uh, penance austerity they are not being doubted in krishna service then obviously it will be those roots will still be there and they will keep erupting and that proclivity to sin will always come back so we see you know when we are talking about the tongue and how it is a voracious uh, sense object prabhupad is talking about controlling the tongue and eating only krishna prasad so we see today is a very auspicious day of the kartik month it is obviously ekadashi when we do control our tongue from eating grains and beans but it is also the first day of bhishma panchak so we will spend the next few minutes speaking about bhishma panchak and it is also the disappearance day of gor kishor das baba ji maharaj one of the prominent acharyas in our sampradaya so we will speak spend the next few minutes speaking about him as well so for bhishma panchak it is the last five days of kartik mas now it is described in the scriptures the glories of bhishma panchak are described in many many scriptures they are described in hari bhakti vilas they are described in padma puran by lord shiva they are described in garuda puran as well the glories of uh, bhishma panchak and it is described that this chaturmas period which starts with the ekadashi nashad month which is also called as dev shayani ekadashi so lord krishna actually all the demigods and even lord krishna it is said they go in go to sleep or they go in that yoga nidra so that is why it's called as dev shayani ekadashi and then the chaturmas starts and it is said that for devotees it is very good to do austerities throughout the chaturmas because the lords are sleeping and then we are you know it is said even sanyasis do not travel during this chaturmas they just stay in one place and they do they intensify their austerities during these four months so for devotees who are not able to observe austerities during the entire four months then it is said that then krishna very mercifully gives the kartik month to us which started you know kartik month is about to get over we will feel separation from singing damodar ashtakam offering candles and all that every day so it's about to get over on friday so krishna very mercifully then gives us this kartik month so whoever can't do austerities throughout chaturmas at least in kartik month we intensify our austerities and obviously the presiding deity is radharani of the kartik month so it is said whatever extra activities we do radharani blesses us and they, she multiplies it by them by 1000 times and then offers them at the lotus feet of lord krishna so in the kartik month you know it is said one should abstain from grains throughout the month if possible one should eat only once a day take bath early in the morning in a holy river if possible and also like spend your time in extra chanting reading hearing so this whole kartik month many devotees do that like um you know we are so inspired when we hear of the austerity some devotees take up during this kartik month but it is also said that krishna is so merciful that if someone is not able to do all these austerities during the entire kartik month then he gives us the cream like the cherry on the top we say he gives us the cream the cream where he gives us these five days last five days of uh, kartik month which start from today's ekadashi and they end on um, purnima the rasyatra purnima so these five days are called as bhishma panchak or vishnu panchak as well and like we said dev shayani ekadashi is when uh, chaturmas started so today is also called as dev uthani ekadashi or uthana ekadashi it is also called as hari bodhini ekadashi because lord hari wakes up during this particular day so starting from today bhishma panchak starts and um, why it is called as bhishma panchak so there are two three reasons for that one is that lord bhishma during the war of kurukshetra when he was lying on the bed of arrows he decided to fast for these 5 days because they were the last 5 days of kartik in preparation of giving up his life so that is why they are called he undertook severe vows and he decided to fast completely these 5 days before he left his body during itrayan so that is one reason that bhishma panchak is so auspicious for devotees also to follow the other reason is also that it's called bhishma panchak is that during these 5 days it is said we know how yudhishthir maharaj was completely devastated after the whole war mahabharat war he was blaming himself as a true devotee he was taking the whole blame on himself that because of him everything has happened just because he was so attached to the throne and because he had that sense gratification in his mind that i should be on the throne he was blaming himself like that and he was continuously feeling guilty and even when lord krishna tried to pacify him he was not getting pacified 
and obviously it's described in the first canto this was all lord krishna's leela only he did not want yudhishthir maharaj to get pacified by his own words because he wanted to give that glory to bhishma dev so it is said then lord krishna took all the pandavas and everybody like dressed up regally in royal robes because bhishma dev always wanted to see the pandavas on the throne so just to satisfy that desire of bhishma dev he dresses asked them all to dress up and he they go in a royal procession to where bhishma dev was lying on the battlefield on the bed of arrows and it is described that during these five days bhishma dev actually spoke to yudhishthir maharaj about he first of all pacified him that how you are not the cause for this whole devastation that happened and then he pacified him by telling him so many aspects of religious principles they are such beautiful instructions he gives it is there again in the first canto before he passed away so that is why also these this is called bhishma panchak because during these five days bhishma dev spoke to yudhishthir maharaj about the importance of following religious about dharmic principles and all that now um, it is it is described that during these five days one should actually observe whatever you know in intensity we were not able to observe during kartik month or even if you know we did some austerities during kartik month we should intensify those austerities during these five days so if, if there are three types of fasting that are recommended in bhishma panchak so the first type of fasting and jaypataka maharaj also very nicely describes this in a class he was saying that the first type of fasting is called as panchagavya fasting so in panchagavya fasting one abstains from everything else except taking cow products and that two cow products not that you know unlimited we somebody drinks milk and has yogurt and nicely eats ghee and all no he says that it is mentioned in the hari bhakti vilas also is that on the first day one eats cow dung now it's just one little like you know ball of cow dung that is fresh cow dung which has not fallen to the ground you take it directly when the cow is given that dung so on the first day just a little cow dung on the second day as part of the panchakavya fasting one takes just little cow urine so obviously you take cow dung then you fast it's not that you can feast on cow dung so you take a little cow dung and then you fast and then next day you take a little cow urine and then you fast so that's the second day one who tries to do the panchakavya fasting on the third day you can take a little milk and then on the fourth day a little yogurt and then on the fifth day you have all five mixed together that's why panchagavya so this is the first level of fasting now obviously maharaj also was saying in his class that it is very difficult and very austere to do this type of fast first of all where do you go for that cow dung which is just falling from a cow we all will have to go to the farm and wait till the cow gives that dung for example so that is he said it's a very difficult level of fasting to follow so then the second level of fasting which is recommended is known as the fruits and roots fasting so in that particular type of fasting one can have fruits um, throughout this um, five days and one can have root vegetables which grow under the ground one is allowed to have now in terms of fruits also one can one should have uh, fruits which are not with too many seeds so for example guavas um pomegranate um rock melon watermelon papayas these have too many seeds so these type of fruit should be avoided fruits with very few seeds or even one seed should be taken so that is that is the thing for uh, the fruits and roots fasting and also one should try to eat fast throughout the day and only eat in the evening if possible that is what maharaj was saying so we can have roots also like you know bake boil some potatoes or sweet potatoes or taro whatever grows underground carrots or something like that so that is the second level where you just have roots and fruits and the third level of fasting which maharaj said is called as eat accepting habishya so people who can't follow the panchagavya who can't even follow the roots and fruits because they might be diabetic health condition obviously some people can't fast because of their pitta prakriti or whatever then he said then habishya is allowed so habishya is when you just have um, a special type of khichdi this describe how to make that khichdi if you look it up in um, some articles by different sanyasis but you just have a certain type of khichdi for these five uh, five days and then on the last day of bhishma panchak which is the purnima when tulsi viva also happens on that last day at moon rise you look at the moon and then you can break your fast by having feast whatever like feast you want to cook and have so this is this is the way fasting like doing austerities is described for bhishma panchak and also different types of worship are described so on the first day normally you know lord damodar is worshiped by offering him a padma flower a lotus flower on the first day of bhishma panchak 
which will be today on this um, Ekadashi day. Then on the second day, it is recommended one should offer Bilva leaves, which is also called as wood apple leaves. So one offers those to um, Krishna. On the third day, one offers different types of Gandha or scents to Lord Krishna. On the fourth day, it is described one offers a Java flower. Now don't ask me what is a Java flower. Maybe Achinti Rupamataji or whoever goes to the market can tell us. <laughs> and on the fifth day, we can offer Malati flowers to the Lord. So this is how it is recommended. But, and also Jaipataka Maharaj was saying in the class, he was saying that again, you know, living in Western countries or even in India, it's difficult to obtain sometimes all these flowers and all. So then we do it mentally. Like Manasi Puja, we do it in our mind, we offer this, you know, today Padma, tomorrow um, Bilva, then Gandha, then Java and then Malti. In our mind we offer, do this devotional service to the Lord. And because it is Bhishma Panchak and because Bhishma Dev is glorified through this particular fasting, it is very nice to remember the life of Bhishma Dev. During this Bhishma Panchak, it is nice to read his instructions which he gave to Yudhishthir Maharaj during Bhishma Panchak. And it is also good to sing Bhishma Stuti. Just as Gajendra Stuti is there and all that. So it's good to sing Bhishma Stuti during these five days. But the main thing to remember, like we saw in today's verse, is that we are remembering Lord Krishna and we are increasing. These activities are helping us increase our remembrance of Lord Krishna. Because sometimes it happens when we are trying to do fasting and all, we start getting so irritated because of hunger that we are, you know, getting angry with people or with our family members and we are not focusing so much our mind and energy on remembering Lord Krishna. So the main principle is we remember Lord Krishna and don't forget him. So whatever type of austerity helps us do that well, like do our chanting well, do our reading and hearing well during these five days, then then these obviously controlling the tongue helps us do that, then definitely we should try and do these austerities. And also today is the disappearance day of Gaur Kishordas Babaji Maharaj. So we will spend a few minutes speaking about him because he is a very prominent Acharya in our Guru Parampara. You can see his photo has been garlanded today in preparation of his disappearance day celebration. So we see there are two kinds of realized devotees. Prabhupada talks about that very often. In Nectar of Devotion also he talks about that quite often. So there are two types of devo realized devotees. One are the Bhajananandi saints and one are the Ghoshti Anandi saints. Now if we see Ghoshti Anandi saints are called as the liberated preachers. And they actually are, they, both of them are Uttam Adhikaris. But the Ghoshti Anandi saints, they actually take, because of their compassion for, so much compassion for fallen people, they actually step down from their Uttama Adhikari position and come down to the Madhyama Adhikari position to be able to preach. And they also bring down their activities and actions to the level such that a, a condition, normal conditioned souls can, if they are intelligible for no, normal conditioned souls, their awards and activities so that they are inspired to take up the path of devotional service. So those are Goshti Anandi saints, but um, and you see one of the you know Goshti Anandi saints in our Guru Parampara is obviously none other than our uh, beloved Srila Prabhupada and also Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, Bhakti Vinod Thakur. So they are obviously all Uttam Adhikaris, but they come down to the level of a Madhyam Adhikari because an Uttam Adhikari is not able to discriminate. He cannot see, we see in the Bhagavatam, in the Bhagavad Gita also, he cannot discriminate between a, a, a devotee, a, a dog eater, a chandala, he cannot discriminate because he is always seeing the super soul in everyone. And therefore it is said that a Madhyakma Adhikari is able to see that difference and therefore he is able to preach. And therefore these Uttama Adhikaris come to the level of Madhyama Adhikari to spread the message of Krishna consciousness to others. But we see that uh, Uttama Adhikaris, they are liberated Bhajananandis, they are also called as that. They generally do not step down from the highest level of transcendence to the level of a Madhyama Adhikari. And they, it is not that they are doing that because of lack of compassion. It is not that, oh, Goshti Anandi saints are compassionate, but Bhajananandi saints are not compassionate. No, they are not doing that because of that. They are doing it because that is the way they have been inspired from within by the Lord to remain as Bhajananandi saints. That is one reason and the second reason is that they are so humble like an Uttamadhikari cannot distinguish or discriminate between people. They are so humble that they feel that they are the most fallen of everybody and therefore they are not able to give the, you know, they are not able to preach to anybody because everybody is better than them. So that is another thinking or consciousness which Bhajananandi saints have and because of that they are not able to step down to the uh, Madhyamadhikari platform. 
and we see bhajananandi saying sometimes behave in ways that is unintelligible to ordinary jeevas their actions words activities very difficult to understand by ordinary jeevas and therefore they generally tend to stay away from the society they they don't mingle so freely within the society because they can be very easily misunderstood by conditioned jeevas so one such personality who was a glorious bhajananandi saint in our guru parampara is none other than gor kishor das baba ji maharaj he was a true bhajananandi in our guru parampara and it is described now according to the material view if we see he was actually an illiterate he was not educated and he was born in a very ordinary vaishya family so obviously being illiterate and born in an ordinary vaishya family people could mistake him to be just an ordinary person and not give him the due respect that he deserves however it is described that scholars would generally approach him to take guidance from him and to uh, to understand difficult philosophical topics from him scholars would normally approach him and even shrila prabhupad obviously bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur glorifies uh, gor kishor his own guru maharaj in the sajjana toshani where he wrote various articles after gor kishor das baba ji maharaj passed away he wrote various articles saying titled as amar prabhu katha and it is described that he glorifies his guru maharaj so much in those articles in the sajjana toshani and shrila prabhupad also in a letter to rai ramadas prabhupad also glorified um, gor kishor das baba ji maharaj so prabhupad wrote to his disciple he said that to become a fool is the real qualification of a bonafide disciple as soon as one thinks that one has become wiser than his guru one is completely doomed we should remain a fool in front of our guru not artificially but with full feeling and with full conviction in our heart that i am a fool and my guru is a paramahamsa that is the feeling we should keep in our heart prabhupad writes even my spiritual master again quoting prabhupad a great scholar remained a so called fool before his guru who was outwardly an illiterate village fellow so we know bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur he was given the title saraswati because he was a great scholar but still he remained a fool in front of his guru in the absolute world the fool is also the master and the master is also fool so chaitanya mahaprabhu also accepted himself a great fool before his spiritual master and all of us must follow this transcendental process so that is what shrila prabhupada had written to one of his disciples now gor kishor das baba ji maharaj appeared in the uh, mid 1830s in a this place called faridapur and that is there in present day bangladesh that place where gor kishor das baba ji maharaj appeared he appeared like we said in a very ordinary vaishya family and at a very early age as was the custom during that time 1800s his parents got him mar- married to a um, nice girl from his village and during his grahastha ashram which he was there for 20 years in his grahastha ashram gor kishor das baba ji maharaj was a broker as a grain merchant a broker in the grain business or something like that he was working like that and once his wife passed away he he because he already was showing symptoms of being a very um, advanced spiritualist a devotee so he immediately renounced everything and he moved to vrindavan and it is said that once he moved to vrindavan he actually approached bhagavad das baba ji maharaj who was one of the foremost disciples of jagannath das baba ji maharaj and as was the custom in vrindavan <coughs> during that time he accepted the traditional vaishnava baba ji dress from him so that is when he so started he was given the name gor kishor das baba ji maharaj now for 30 years it is described he lived like this in vrindavan he kept roaming through the 12 forests of vrindavan and every day he would live in an, under a different tree and he was practicing severe austerities and penances and chanting continuously he used to chant 128 rounds every day so that that was his life very intense uh, renunciation and very intense bhajan he was doing for these 30 years in 189 approximately 1897 when chaitanya mahaprabhu's birthplace was revealed by the efforts of bhakti vinod thakur jagannath dada das baba ji maharaj ordered he instructed gor kishor das baba ji maharaj that you go and live now in navadvip because uh, yogapit the birthplace of chaitanya mahaprabhu has been discovered so he came to uh, navadvip and for the rest of his life gor kishor das baba ji maharaj lived in navadvip only he did not go out of navadvip and throughout over there also he continued his austerities 
he used to see all navadvip vasis as uh, his masters his spiritual master of prabhu he used to always see them as eternal associates of chaitanya mahaprabhu and his renunciation was so intense it is compared to the renunciation of raghunath das uh, goswami so it is said that many days he would not eat at all complete fasting he would do and he would be absorbed in just intense bhajan and chanting some days he would just drink some ganga water or he would eat the mud on the banks of the ganga river that's all he would do some days he would go for madukari and he would just get dry food stuffs from the villagers of uh, navadweep and then he would collect some dry sticks from the way and he would create a fire and cook and what would he use for cooking he would collect the earthen pots which had been discarded by people during those days people used to cook in earthen pots so during eclipse it is said that the earthen pots become contaminated so he used to just collect those earthen pots and he used to cook in that in them that was his level of renunciation and it is also said that he would only wear cloth which was discarded by people after a dead body was burned so when you know dead bodies were brought on the banks of ganga for burning he would just take that cloth which has been discarded he would wash it and he would wear that so he was just by all these activities he was trying to show that a, a true baba ji should not be dependent on anybody for his material comforts he was very independent of everybody's uh, anybody's service so he was very very attached to bhakti vinod thakur in uh, navadweep so he would regularly go to swananda sukhada kunj which was the residence of bhakti vinod thakur and he would listen to regular discourses on shrimad bhagavatam which bhakti vinod thakur would give and regularly they would engage in hari katha for hours and hours it is described now bhakti vinod thakur was also so inspired by gor kishor das baba ji maharaj's personality his devotion that he actually um encouraged his son bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur to take initiation from uh, gor kishor das baba ji maharaj and when uh, jagannath uh, sorry when bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur also observed gor kishor das baba ji maharaj he realized that this is a great personality and he made up uh, his uh, in his heart he accepted him as a spiritual master so it is said that in january 1900 bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur took initiation from gor kishor das baba ji maharaj but that initiation was not an easy process because gor kishor das mahaji maharaj had taken a vow that he is never going to initiate anybody in this lifetime but bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur was also determined and he had also taken a vow that i am going to accept only gor kishor das babaji maharaj as my um, uh, diksha guru so he approached gor kishor das babaji maharaj and he requested him that can you please give me initiation so first time when he did that gor kishor das babaji maharaj sent him back saying that i have to ask mahaprabhu so then after a few days bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur again approached him and the second time he said that no i forgot to ask mahaprabhu so he sent him back again but bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur was not one to get deterred he was he wanted to persevere continuously so the third time he went to him and the third time um, gor kishor das baba ji maharaj told him that virtuousness scholarship and other qualities are not the means to attain the lord they don't give one right to initiation so saying that he sent him away and so but bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur like even though he was being rejected by his guru he did not give up he continuously kept coming back to gor kishor das baba ji maharaj he continuously kept begging him for initiation that you please accept me as your disciple so we see even ramanujacharya had to do that it is described that 17 times ramanujacharya had to walk on foot to goshtipurna and it was only the 18th time that goshtipurna agreed to give him initiation or even if we see uh, narottam das thakur when he wanted to take initiation he had to approach his spiritual master so many times before he accepted him so ultimately we see that gor kishor das baba ji maharaj then was very his he bhakti siddhanta maharaj endeared him to his heart and looking at his determination tolerance perseverance and devotion he agreed to give him to initiation so in in january 1900 he accepted him as his disciple and he gave some dust from his lotus feet on his um, head on bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur's head and then he gave him the order that you have to go and preach and spread the message of chaitanya mahaprabhu all over the world that was the order he was given by his guru maharaj now gor kishor das baba ji maharaj he was so renounced that he would not accept service from anyone at all his only possessions were his kanthi mala 
his tulsi beads on which he used to chant and the cloth the little cloth that discarded cloth which he would wear from the bank of ganga so and he and he had a few books the prarthana by narottam das thakur prema bhakti chandrika these were his possessions that's it he did not have any other material possessions at all and because he was so renounced he would not accept prasad from anybody and he would not even accept like obviously it's a material body he would not even accept any treatments if his material body was going undergoing any suffering so his eyes condition was deteriorating bhakti vinod thakur was getting very concerned when he saw that so he actually arranged and he saw gor kishor das baba ji maharaj was not looking after himself so he actually arranged for a proper diet for him and he arranged for some devotees to come and cook and give to gor kishor das baba ji maharaj but gor kishor das baba ji maharaj to bhakti vinod thakur's dismay he saw that he was not accepting anything that anybody was cooking and he was not following the diet plan at all and bhakti vinod thakur he got concerned and even bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur got concerned so he told gor kishor das baba ji maharaj that your eye condition is deteriorating let me take you to calcutta and we let's get some treatment done but gor kishor das baba ji maharaj said i am not going to that illusory universe that's the word he used for calcutta so bhakti vinod thakur requested he said that bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur will come with you he will look after you there but you please go and get treatment done and there to that gor kishor das baba ji maharaj got so affected he said i will not accept any service from my prabhu he used to always call bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur as his prabhu he said i will not accept any service from him and saying that he he said it's better i drown myself first before i accept any service so saying that he ran towards the ganga and he disappeared for 45 days he was not to be seen only all the vaishnavas looked for him so much but not to be seen at all then suddenly just as suddenly appeared on the 45th day in swananda sukhada kunj the residence of bhakti vinod thakur and he said that by killing myself i will not get krishna bhakti i know that i will not attain the lord's mercy however i will not still accept service from anyone so he never allowed him to be taken to calcutta for any treatment he did not accept any treatment and ultimately he became blind completely blind he lost his eyesight but still with very great intensity and determination he was continuing his uh, bhajan and he uh, you know this is speaking about his disappearance past time so he disappeared in i think somewhere around 1915 or 1917 he left his body and when bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur heard the news obviously he was heartbroken that his guru maharaj has left this world so he immediately rushed to the place where he had left his body and bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur saw that so many baba ji's had assembled there so called sanyasis and baba ji's had assembled there and all of them were arguing where should gor kishor das baba ji maharaj samadhi be done where should his body be buried and where should his samadhi be created and immediately bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur could see through the falsity of all this he could see that all these baba ji's have suddenly come to claim the dead body of gor kishor das baba ji maharaj and they want to do the last rites so that they can get control of that samadhi and they can make money because people will come to visit the samadhi of such a great vaishnava so he could immediately see through that but at that time bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur had not yet taken sanyas he was still a brahmachari disciple of gor kishor das baba ji maharaj so all when he came you know to claim that he said i am his disciple they all were trying to reject him saying that you are not a sanyasi sanyasis obviously have a higher level you are still not a sanyasi we are all baba ji's so then you know so much argument was happening that the police local police inspector of that region came to settle the argument so that time bhakti siddhanta saraswati thakur challenged all the baba ji's who had gathered there he said that if any of you has not thought of Ill, not thought of or had illicit relationships in the last 6 months you all can come forward and claim the body of gor kishor das baba ji maharaj and then there was silence he said okay forget about 6 months if you all have not thought of illicit relationship or had illicit relationship in the last 3 months come and claim the body and then he said okay last week or last 3 days and the police inspector asked bhakti siddhanta sarasvati thakur he said how will you know that they have done or not done you know it's obviously how can you prove and bhakti siddhanta sarasvati thakur said i will take them at their face value i will accept whatever they are saying as truth but just because of the effulgence the brahmacharya potency of bhakti siddhanta sarasvati thakur all the baba ji slowly went away from there 
So that is how Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was able to claim the body of his spiritual master. And then some other Vaishnavas who had gathered, they were saying that, oh, it was Babaji's last desire that his body is dragged through the streets of Navadvip, through the streets of Mayapur, so that his body, you know, takes the dust of all the Vaishnavas of uh, Navadvip down. And at that time, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur spoke such eloquent words. He quoted Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Haridas Thakur's passing away. He said that when Haridas Thakur passed away, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu embraced his body to his chest and he danced in the streets of Jagannath Puri with that body in his hand. And very lovingly he took Haridas Thakur's body to the ocean and he bathed his body personally and then he actually did his samadhi. So he said in the same way, my, my spiritual master, he is such a humble person that he is thinking he should you know, be dragged and that is what he deserves, the treatment after his death. And, you know, it's just out of his humility he has claimed that. But obviously that doesn't mean we do that. We have to give him the greatest honor and respect that he deserves. And we have to take his body in our arms. And we have to very carefully, following in the footsteps of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we have to um, create his samadhi. And that is exactly what Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur did. He actually embraced his body, carried his bo the body of his spiritual master in his own hands. And then one... Somebody had donated some land, so he went and did the samadhi over there. But it is said the Ganga claimed the samadhi. When it overflooded, it claimed the samadhi. So again, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur took whatever remnants were there and he has installed the uh, samadhi mandir of Gorki Shodas Babaji Maharaj in Chaitanya Math. In I think it's at Navadvip. So he has installed his mat on the banks of Radha Kund in that Chaitanya Math, in the Gaudiya Math, which is there in Navadvip. So this is the disappearance pastime of Gaur Kishor Das Babaji Maharaj. So we can speak like so many pastimes of Gaur Kishor Das Babaji Maharaj, but we are running out of time, so we'll stop here. Srila Gaur Kishor Das Babaji Maharaj ki? Srila Prabhupada ki? Any questions or corrections or comments? Um, I was meditating on that actually. The question is, what should be our prayers today to Gaur Kishor Das Babaji Maharaj? And um, I was, I was thinking like because we read about his, um, you know, austerities and renunciation. Like those were the two main, you know, shining qualities which come out. And obviously his devotion to Krishna. It is said that he was considered as the highest. Uh, emblem of uh, Vipralambharasa, of you know, always crying in separation from Radha and Krishna. So I was thinking at, you know, at least my level, I can, you know, take some quality from him of austerity and uh, renunciation. At least, you know, some detachment and praying to him that you had so much renunciation like Raghunath Das Goswami Maharaj, but let me have like one ounce of renunciation that you had because obviously being in the Grahastashram we have so many avenues of sense gratification we are so attached to sense objects so that is the prayer which I was thinking to you know pray to him to give us some determination and desire to do some austerity and have some renunciation like yes, I was also thinking that uh, I was also thinking that um, what is that action of austerity in devotional service like uh, you know, because like how you were saying that sometimes we can take on to the fasts, but we can remain meditative. Um, and I was thinking that, what is the, what is the actual austerity? Is it like chanting more rounds, doing more services, like stretching ourselves? Or is it more like, because when we do fasting as well, that's for the, for the lordships. But sometimes we can forget that. Very nice question, Madhaji. And yes, we definitely need to have that balance um, in terms of austerities and not forgetting the goal, primary goal, which is, you know, doing good quality japa. So Prabhupada always says that 99% of our spiritual progress comes from chanting. And 1% is all other devotional activities. Whatever services we do, everything else we do is that 1%. But 99% of our spiritual progress is through japa, through good quality japa. But that 1%... 
like if you if you know in Srila Prabhupada's Leelamrita also it is mentioned. So Prabhupada was asked that you know why you are establishing me, why you are spending money on establishing these big big temples, marble temples and ornate like you see our temple is also so beautiful. So why are you spending money on all that? Prabhupada was asked. And that time Prabhupada told, he said that I can sit under a tree and do my bhajan. We know, we have seen Prabhupada's room in Radha Damodar temple. All of us have been to Vrindavan and we've seen how simply Prabhupada used to live. So he said, I can chant Japa under a tree, but y'all will not be able to do that. And that is why we are creating these big institutions and big temples so that everybody can come together, associate with each other and therefore, you know, practice devotional service together. So this 1% of activities that we do, like other services or book distribution, all the other deity worship, all the other activities that we do, they actually then help us in this 99% of the main activity. So if any austerities that we are taking up now, you know, any fasting and all that that we do is so that our time is free. We don't have to cook so much and, you know, we are not spending time only because once you eat, obviously you feel a bit sleepy. So, so that we are not eating and spending so much time on cooking and all that extra time then we devote to chanting. So again, you know, the primary goal is obviously chanting good rounds, but it is a journey in progress. So sometimes, you know, our mind might tell us, anyway, I'm not chanting well, so what's the point of doing these austerities? But these austerities help us to come to that platform which will definitely help us in our journey towards chanting good rounds. So again, depending on different body types, depending on our personal situation, somebody have work, like, you know, proper work in a factory or something like that, or they have to go to work five days. It's hard for everybody to do all. But yes, the main goal is that we chant good rounds. And that is the goal throughout our life, but in Bhishma Panchak, the main goal is that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, we'll end the class here. Granthraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki. Shla Prabhupad ki. Samaved Bhakta Vrind ki. Jai Nikai Gaur Premanandir.